Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and you're listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast. I appreciate so much that you're wanting to learn what the Bible says about heaven, about the God of heaven, Jesus, and the kingdom that is promised for us, and all of the wonders of the life beyond this one. We've dedicated this ministry to specifically, as much as possible, talking about heaven, and in doing that, we work very, very hard to show you what the Bible says. So, if you're able to take out a notebook and have a pen available, then you can take down these notes. And as I like to tell uh, the wonderful friends that we have on our different ministries, be like the Berean Christians who in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, would search the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so that were being taught to them. And I would pray that you do that as well. The ministry that I am serving in is called Zulon, the Zulon International Bible Institute. And the word Zulon is the Greek word for tree. And we take this word tree, and the meaning is that we agree with Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, that we are rooted and grounded in love, the love for Jesus, God the Father, the wonder of the Holy Spirit, and also for one another. We are rooted and grounded, and that's where we find our strength. And in agreement with Psalm 1, that a tree planted by the rivers of water will find its sustenance, and that river of water is God's word, and that's what we want to do here. So thank you so much. We're in Revelation chapter 12, and I just enjoy looking at the power of God's sovereignty, also his mercy and grace as we look at this, but also we see that he is a God of justice, and we're seeing all this being played out as we go through the book of Revelation. We have 22 chapters in Revelation, this prophetic book which tells us eventually of the final destination of the Christian with God the Father in Revelation 21 and 22, and we're working our way there. But in the passage that starts in Revelation chapter 6 all the way through Revelation chapter 19, we see the judgment of God on earth, the wrath of God against the rebellion, uh, and we see this. Now, we go to Revelation chapter 12, and as we're looking at this, we, I'll, I'll take you through a review. We're looking at this particular passage here, which is indeed a wonderful, wonderful passage of God's justice, but also very sobering on those that would uh, push against him. This particular part takes a break and gives us symbolism, very heavy with symbolism in Revelation chapter 12. You might call it, uh, this passage here, the woman and the child, the woman and the child. In here, you're going to see a very, very powerful figurative image of a woman, a child, and also a dragon. And it told us in the first six chapters, if you listen to my previous podcast on this, that there was something called a mega simeon. Those are the Greek words. Mega simeon, the great sign. You will find that there are seven signs going on in the next chapters, 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. 
Here we have, as we start off, and seven, of course, is the number of completeness. We're getting a complete picture of something that we should know during the time of this flipsis. That's the Greek word for the tribulation, the great tribulation that's on earth. Jesus has taken the believers out, and then God's wrath is coming upon the earth. The, the believers are happy in the realization of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10, because you have been faithful to me in my word, I will take you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world. And indeed, this is a trial upon the whole world. During this time, the introduction of the Antichrist is just a chapter away. The woman here, it says, is clothed with the sun. And in that, when we see this, we see that this takes us back to the prophecy that we see in Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 through 11. And in Joseph's dream, he says this, it tells us, and he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brothers and said, listen, or behold, I've dreamed a dream more. And the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father, to his brothers, and his father rebuked him. He said, what is this dream you've dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren come down to bow ourselves to him? And his brothers envied him, but his father, he took special notice. He observed the saying. Now, in that, the woman clothed with a son, we're seeing her represented as Israel. The son represents Jacob. And then we see Rachel, Joseph's mother, is then represented as the moon. And you're going to see the 11 stars. Those were the sons of Israel and in there. Joseph is the twelfth star. When we see this representation here, we're starting to see Israel being clearly represented, as we talked about in the previous podcast. When she gives birth, then we see this is going to be Jesus. We see this in verse 5. She bore a male child. He will rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Well, we know full well that that's Christ there. And then the dragon comes trying to stop all of this. He has seven uh, heads, seven diadems uh, on there. Those are, anytime you see diadems, that's talking about authority. And of course, this is trying to say he has complete authority on the earth. On the earth, he's allowed to have that. The ten horns, well, ten has a lot of uh, significance in Bible numerology. And in this case, we can agree when we see that it might refer to the earthly governments through we see in the scriptures. Uh, it can talk about uh, you have ten commandments, organizing uh, people, organizing the nations under God. We see that we talk about a tithe, and that is a tenth. We would also see of the ten tribes that are lost in the Bible, the earthly government uh, goes into play here when we're talking about that. That could be that. I can't say for sure, but when we go through there, we do see that we're looking at the 10 that is talking about earthly power, trying to say, I am, this is the one, the dragon, is trying to say, I am in charge. I do not want the true king to be in charge. I want this. And so when we look at this, we look through the scripture, the dragon, verse 4, looks to the earth here. What he does is, I would see this in the scriptures as talking about one-third of the angelic host pulled out 
to follow him. And this is where we get the, the uh, conjecture, I guess you would say, that Satan has a third of the existing angels who fell with him uh, on there. But when we take a look at this, the desire of the dragon is to devour the child as soon as it was born. Remember this? Think about what Herod was doing. Herod uh, is an illustration of this, Matthew chapter 2. When you take a look through verses 16 through 18, you see when Jesus was a child, what happened? The slaughter of the, ins- of the infants, as we see it mentioned through history, through the scriptures. And during that time, we see that Herod tries so hard to stop the delivery of the child and the life of the child. If he can stop Jesus being in the flesh, his thinking is that he can stop the plan of salvation and the plan of redemption for mankind. Now, when we go through, we move over into verse 6. The woman goes into the wilderness. She's protected by God for 1,260 days. That is fully half of the tribulation time of seven years, three and one half year uh, period during this time. And when we see this, she is in there protected by the Lord. We now move to verse 7. And this one, my friends, really starts getting as powerful a picture as we would see Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 1, looking up into heaven and seeing celestial warring. Uh, Ezekiel, looking up in heaven, did not see celestial warring, saw celestial warriors, saw celestial wonders, and the fire of God's holiness, as well as God in the throne as he looks up and through the firmament into heaven. We are now look at something just as would you say exciting? Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 8, we see a war between Michael and the dragon. And in this, we see Michael, who is, we, we go over to a wonderful, wonderful passage of God's warring and justice when we take a look in Jude 9. There's only one chapter in Jude. We look in verse 9, and it tells us, Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. Powerful passage. What is this dispute about the body of Moses? Well, that's one of the great mysteries. It could be that Satan was trying to uh, receive the body of Moses to make it an object of idol worship. It could be. We don't know for sure. But Michael has been sent in warring to do that. Michael's a cherub, and a cherub is unlike the Victorian pictures of a little child with wings. These are warrior angels, and he's known as one of the chief princes who took care of, in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, was helping the heavenly messenger, Daniel, fighting the prince of Persia and Greece. When we see this in Daniel chapter 10, verses 13 and 21. It says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Verse 21, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of the truth. There is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. And so during this time, we're seeing that Michael takes on the dragon. He is fighting him here, And in this passage, we see that a war breaks out in this. We now see that God is moving and is no longer going to be allowing. Now the war breaks out. This happens against Satan. 
We're going to see it on heaven. We're going to see it on earth. And then this is going to say Satan is now getting his comeuppance. He's getting his fight. He's getting his due on this. Now, when we see this, Michael the archangel here, we see Michael for being an archangel, not as what one faith group would say, Michael's actually Jesus. There's no scripture to back this up at any time. That's a conjecture that borders on the biblically illiterate. It doesn't say that at all, but we're seeing this. When Michael is fighting, he has his angels here, is fighting them and going into war. And when they are going into war, we see this. Here's a curious question. How do they kill each other? Are there celestial swords that are into swordplay? Are there other kinds of mechanics? And how does an angel die? How does an angel be injured? Well, we don't see angels as dying. We can't see them as having flesh and bones bodies, so they can't be uh, attacked and injured in the same way that humans are. So this is one of the mysteries, but the the Bible is going into a very descriptive term of this fight. The third of the stars of heaven thrown to the earth in verse 4 is going to be, uh, they are going to be part of that army in there, and we're reminded of that, that these fightings that are going on here are going on during the course of what's going on on earth. So during this fight, they fight in a dramatic scene of warring here, you're seeing on one end, you're seeing the angels of God, you're seeing the other end, the fallen angels of the satanic realm going in here. Now, when we see this, this is interesting, because we are not seeing Jesus fighting, we're seeing Michael fighting. This is more of an equal battle, because people tend to think that there's a dualistic universe, that God has half and Satan has half. And you understand that Satan is a creation of God. He, his, his counterpart, if you want to put it that way, is going to be Michael because he's an angel and there's an angel fighting another one here. And we know that this one, this great dragon, take a look at verse 9 and it tells you very clearly the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent, he's called the devil and Satan deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and those angels were cast out with him. So we're seeing that this battle is here, and when we see this battle, we're looking back into Jude 9, when the, uh, first of all, Satan was trying to stop the, uh, the, the promotion, trying to steal away the power and maybe even distort the reputation of Moses there uh, on that. Now, he's just basically trying to block what's going on. Here, he's doing this as well. They are fighting. Now, during this time, as we see this, we're seeing a fulfillment of Daniel. And the final class I took in my undergrad at seminary was a a wonderful, wonderful uh, series called uh, the class series. During the summertime, I actually took summer school at, at the university to get this. It was called Daniel and Revelation. And the tie between Daniel's prophecies and Revelation's fulfillment it's absolutely stunning. And this is one of them. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time, Daniel's prophecy says, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. 
then at that time, your people shall be delivered. So here we have a spiritual battle. I mean, is there a celestial sword? What is going on here when we see all of this? But what happens is, regardless of the actual battle, who gets quote-unquote stabbed or shot or tackled or broken, we do see this. What's the point of all this? Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Satan did have an access into heaven that was hinted about in Job chapter 1. But now we see that he's taken out. Verse 9, Satan is cast out to any access or walk near heaven. When we looked back, we saw that Satan would actually try to gain access. What did he do in Job 1? He's making an accusation. He continues it on over. In Revelation chapter 12, we're seeing that the accuser is cast out. This is what he did. He accuses, uh, verse 10 of chapter 12 here. They're cast out of heaven. We see him identified there as Satan himself. No question about that on here. And when we see this down here, we see Satan being defeated, and in his defeat, the angels are also put with them. He could not prevail. You have the word in the scripture in prevailing in verse 8, which means that he would overpower, but he just doesn't have it. He has the lack of the power, uh, a weakness. That's what it's talking about. He could not overpower. He was not able to do that. Now, when they do get defeated, I'll emphasize, nor was a place to be found. The woman was safe and secure. There was a place for her. But this is also another thing of the destituteness of following Satan. When we talk about in the scriptures, when the Christian dies, he or she goes home. They have a place. Jesus even says in John chapter 14, I'm preparing a place for you. Isn't it interesting here? In Revelation chapter 12, verse 8, there's no place for Satan. There's no place for his followers who would rebel against the Lord. I do not want to be in your home, God, says the rebellious, and the Lord says, fine. Then you will be without a home. You will have no place. You'll be wandering in your spirit. And that's a fearful thing, isn't it, too? This is done. This is absolutely done. He is cast out. He is no longer there. That serpent has been taken care of, and he is defeated. His name is Diabolos, the devil. You have two words that make up this word Diabolos. Dia, meaning against. Baleo, baleo means I will throw, I will cast. Balo means to throw. So what he's saying is, well, I'm throwing against you. This is what the word devil means. I'm throwing against you. Diablos is talking about Satan, and he is the one who is, as it says, deceiving the whole world. Well, there's more that I can say, but I think I'm out of time right now. We'll talk some more about this powerful passage, Revelation chapter 12, as we go into the demise of the power of Satan slowly peeling away and being defeated and the increasing glory and joy of the wonderful God and Savior. Thank you so much. This is Brad here in Questions About Heaven, going through verse by verse in the book of Revelation. God bless you. Take care, and Lord willing, we'll talk soon.
Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.